What's the story behind the story? We'll find out on Dropping In. Our guests are today's original thinkers, conversations that spark new ways of seeing what's going on. We bring it all to the table. Diverse perspectives, controversy, loving, and singular voices. Magically, stories reveal the common threads that link us. Experience the joys, the fist pumps, the detours, and the hard-won truths of those who blaze the trail so that we might do the same. And now, here's your host, Diane Dewey. Welcome to Dropping In, everyone. It's the end of a year when we still feel discombobulated from the pandemic and time seems to conflate and expand. Here to talk about it through the lens of old Hollywood and the life of one actor, Danny Maitre, who revisits his early life through time travel, is author Rick Lenz. His book is Hello, Rest of My Life, published by Chromadroid Press. Rick references Einstein, who said, Time is not all what it seems to be. It is not flowing in one direction, and the future exists simultaneously with the past. Welcome, Rick Lentz. Great to have you with us. Oh, thank you, Diane. It's very nice to be with you. Too bad we can't look at one, look into one another's eyes the way actors do. You, <laughs> you I know, I know. I was just as I was listening before I heard, I felt like I was in a green room, and then I was about to. Uh, it felt like I was about to, you know, talk to somebody, uh, in you know, in front of a camera or, or whatever. So uh, yes, I wish we could be looking into each other's eyes. That would be nicer. Yes, exactly. Where's our where's yeah. our sofa when we need it? Um, I just want to give us uh, a little bit of background. Not that you need any, but talking about Rick Lentz, there are no easy uh, compartments to put you in. Rick, you are a painter, uh-huh. as well as was your fellow actor Peter Finch and many other actors. I love the oh, portrait yeah. on your website, www.ricklens.com. And your writing is more than a pastime. So let's give listeners a little bio. When Rick Lenz retired as a stage and film actor playing opposite Ingrid Bergman, John Wayne, Lauren Bacall, Walter Matthau, Peter Sellers, etc., his passion for drama refused to retire with him. Although he was an actor most of his life, he was also a seasoned writer. His plays have been produced off-Broadway, on PBS television, and regional theaters across the country. Rick's memoir, North of Hollywood, was called Masterful by Writer's Digest. Your first novel, Rick, The Alexandrite, was named one of the best books of the year by Kirkus Reviews. And the accolades continue from there. You've won an Ippy Award and a Forward Book of the Year. You live with your wife in L.A., Linda, and an ever-shifting mm-hmm. array of animals. And I'm here to tell you that your book, Hello, Rest of My Life, has de- deeply affected my appreciation for my dog. <laughs> so oh, thank you for that. Nice. Nice. Yeah. You know, I, uh, I the the li- dog wasn't... Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. The dog you, wasn't in the story uh, originally. Uh, but it, it just uh, at one point I said I needed a talisman to myself, or actually my wife. <laughs> I said it, and my wife said, uh, uh, my wife Linda said, uh, how about a, uh, a dog? And we had had a, a poodle named Dashel for 
uh, 13, 14 years who we loved, you know, the way you love your dog. And, and uh, so uh, it was just perfect. It worked that, uh, that the talisman I needed. I ended up calling Tally in the, in the book. And uh, he's a he's a wonderful he was wonderful to work with a character who is has uh, you know the virtues of uh, the canine and none of the faults of you know us humans. <laughs> the spirit world, and as he pointed out, or you, I mean, their voices were you're quite closely aligned. Dog is the backward spelling of God, and there is something to it in <laughs> spirit animals for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's true. <laughs> um, it's true. Yeah, um, Tally was a, a, a great, um, a, a great character who reappeared in several um, iterations, incarnations. Um, I, I'd yeah. like to just um, talk with you about your creativity, which is prodigious, um, and how your talents flow into one another. Uh, and oh. I wondered, um, you know, how you you were an actor, um, right. and the acting. To me, it seemed relevant to your writing in that it seemed to inform your ability to create dynamic scenes and dialogue and action. I just wondered how you felt your acting had informed your writing. Yeah, that's interesting. I've thought about that, uh, you know, more recently than before. It just happened as it happened kind of organically. But... but, um, as I went along in my acting career, I, you know, the the parts changed for for uh, you know older white men, and I'm not sure that doesn't apply to any category of human being. But I found that that I was not enjoying you know the work as much as I used to when the parts were meaty, and I loved you know I loved them and. And but I had been writing all my life. I began out of college when I got out of the University of Michigan. I um, got acting training and so on. I I worked for two years as as a director of a civic theater in uh, in Michigan. And uh, and while I was doing that, I thought, God, I'd like to be able to to, to write too. So I started writing, you know, little kind of silly. Uh, plays, you know, boy meets girl, girl meets boy, they have a cup of coffee, that kind of nonsense. And because and, I had nothing to talk about. But the fact is that after I'd had an acting career uh, and, you know, a life with, uh, you know, ups and downs and all over the places, I, I discovered that uh, I did have something to say. And a lot of it was about my life in uh, New York and Hollywood as an actor. And uh, so. It, uh, it just kind of naturally formed itself. And I talked to somebody recently who asked me, was it not possible that, you know, you know, that as an actor and a director, that blocking scenes and that kind of thing kind of works toward the creation of scenes and characters in, in a novel. And the fact is that it does. At least it does for me, I think. And uh, so they the, the do... All the creative arts, you know, if you if you practice, if you're a, you know a musician, you practice the scales. And I'm giving a speech for crying out loud. The, you, anyway, you okay. if if you do the work, uh, you know the craft work, then you you get better. And I found that that happens whatever I whatever I set my mind to. And I think that's kind of 
uh, a rule with humans. There's so much that we can do that we uh, sometimes don't do and sometimes discover along the way and, and that kind of thing. So anyway, I've gone way beyond answering your question. But I loved it, and I think that also you talk about, you know, a kind of alchemy that happens. Um, we don't even know how we do what we do sometimes, and I kind I of was curious as to whether you felt, yeah, no, it's a beautiful thing in creativity, but I, I wondered if you felt you could have been this kind of writer where I found especially the dialogue was so spot on, your ear for dialogue. And I, I wondered if you thought you could do this kind of writing prior, in a previous part of your life, where you, as you say, were perhaps less experienced in, in life. Yeah, well, you know, my, my first plays, I, I wrote my, I had my first off-Broadway plays done when I was in my 20s. A long time ago, and uh, and uh, I remember the first ones that I that I, I wrote three one acts as I was well, when I was first out here in nineteen in Los Angeles from New York in nineteen sixty eight, and I was uh, ensconced in front of the television set watching the Democratic convention, and and that mm-hmm. was so outrageous and crazy. And I saw a couple of friends from New York, actor friends who ended up in jail because they were protesting the. You know the stuff that was some of the stuff was kind of rough. It was well, a lot of it. A lot of it was rough that was going on there. And so anyway, that inspired uh, some uh, three plays, and uh, and it started that way. When I started to be aware of a few things, then I was able to write a little bit finally, and feel as if I mm-hmm. you know had some enough authority to do it. Mm-hmm. I, well, let's talk about L.A. because I found in Hello, mm-hmm. Rest of My Life. One of the things I was very grateful for was the location that you brought us inside old Hollywood in a way that, you know, maybe you um, native transplants, transplant natives uh, sort of take for granted that everyone knows what Hollywood is really like. But your wife, Linda, created these great maps at the, at the outset of the book. Yeah, and yeah. then you proceeded to give us, I would, I would say, a kind of an aerial view, the canyons, the valleys, the plains, yeah. the actual yeah. landscape of Hollywood, um, and including, you know, denser areas, um, Beverly Hills. And so it almost made me feel like a Joan Didion, you know, the way she kind of has like a sense of macro view and then zooming into the action and I wondered right. about um, the, the location to me was much more vibrant than most books that I read, where oh, it's kind of excerpted you. and you're just supposed to know about this thing. No, no, it was really, I found it very grounding, very centering, very anchoring, and I was freer to go with the characters and what they were doing. And I wondered about, you know, location. Um, for you as a writer and calling in the place where you live, I mean, were you conscious right. of doing that? Yeah, kind of I was. I mean, I, I have a... I never thought when I moved out here that I would end up loving Los Angeles, but I do. And uh, for a number of reasons. When I first got out here, I came out to do... I was doing, uh, still doing Cactus Flower on Broadway, and I, I came out and... Um, this was in the late '60s, and I came out to do a pilot. They'd asked me to do that, and I um, 
And I stayed in, uh, you know, some of the, and I worked in some of these old, I worked in Columbia Studios, which was still up and vibrant then, and, uh, and, uh, all these old kind of Hollywood places just, you know, were, were just, magic in my mind because, you know, they're sort of, you know, of the land of Oz to most of us who were raised wherever we are around the country. And I was raised in the Midwest primarily. And uh, so I found L.A. just you know, fascinating. And there's, I think, there, the picture is not in the book, but there there are some pictures of Los Angeles that, that are... Uh, really unique because they're both city and not city or partial city or other kinds of, you know it's a very unusual layout of a city a lot of people don't don't like it for the very reasons that I, maybe I do but it's it's uh it's an all over the place you know it's a if you come when you fly in from wherever you're coming um it's just this forever stretch of city and light and it's like this magic jewel in the, in the middle or at the end of the desert in kind of still semi-arid uh, landscape and it's it's quite exciting and you know and I lived in the in the uh, one of the canyons Benedict Canyon which I know I reference in the book and uh, mm-hmm. and uh, also in the valley in the San Fernando Valley and so it always part of my you know my uh, unconscious I guess. So it was fun to bring it all into play in the book. Well, it was your sense of wonder uh, and the magic of it was really conveyed. And I feel like oh, I you. did see, oh, no, I really enjoyed it. Um, and the, in the sort of like looking out at the, at the sparkling place of the city itself, but then you went into not the Valley of Death, but a very interesting valley with a witch, no less. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah, um, yeah, right. You know, like you, you, I feel as though the place has actually spoke to you in a way, that their magic was sometimes black magic, maybe, um, but, yeah, oh, but a sure. magic um, yeah, of, of one sort of, of another, and we, um, it was palpable in the book. Uh, oh, we have to pause you. for a commercial break. Yeah, no, I, it was very, I, I want to see the movie when you, <laughs> uh, when we do that, <laughs> when you, you do this, because uh, it's very visual. Um, we, we have to pause for a commercial break now. These are always such sure. odd interruptions, but um, when we come back, we are going to continue talking with L- Rick Lenz, author of Hello, Rest of My Life, and we're going to talk about whether show business actually is, <laughs> whether everything is show business, whether you're writing uh, a sports, uh, you have a sports career, whether you're a radio personality, whether you're a swimmer, is there just tennis player, is there just showmanship to every aspect of it? And I thought that was a fascinating question you posed, Rick, in your book. We'll be back in a minute, and don't go away. We'll be right back with Rick Lenz on Dropping In. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. She Writes Press is an independent publishing company founded for women writers everywhere. Together with sister company Spark Press, serving men and women, it is both mission-driven and community-oriented. 
The aim is to serve riders who wish to maintain greater ownership and control of their projects while getting the highest quality editorial help possible, traditional distribution, and an in-house marketing and publicity team. In 2019, She Writes Press was named Indie Publisher of the Year. You can find out more on SheWritesPress.com. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Dropping In with Diane Dewey. We'd love to hear from you if you have a question or comment about the show. Send us an email to Diane at DianeDewey.com. That's Diane at DianeDewey.com. Now, back to Dropping In. Welcome back, everyone. We're here with Rick Lenz, author of Hello, Rest of My Life. going to give listeners a little background on the book before we get so far into it that no one can follow us, Rick. Um, when Danny Maitre, <laughs> when Danny Maitre, an ambitious young 1970s film actor, met Samantha, on a blind date and fell in love, he decided he no longer cared about Tinseltown stardom. He still acted sometimes, but he became a writer too, now married, and in their 70s, they find a dog whose faded tag has the name Tally and a Beverly Hills phone prefix from 50 years earlier. Writing a time travel novel in 2021, Danny gets a call from a mysterious velvet-voiced acting agent. He has a meeting tomorrow in Beverly Hills. Tally in one of their singular conversations, questions Danny's motives. Now Danny is in Beverly Hills, not at the meeting, but in an elegant home where he lived in 1974, 47 years ago. He's 27 again, bewildered, but with a second chance at Hollywood, at his Hollywood dream. He doesn't want it because Sam is not in the world, in this world. Unhappy with his new now, he realizes his journey back to quote, Kansas, hinges on the magic of film. A Sharkus agent helps him navigate Hollywood's rocky shoals. A worldwide teen and a new age fortune teller offers spiritual advice. And a sexy, wicked witch throws a monkey wrench in his path. So if you're not hooked by now, read the book, the first paragraph, even the dedications, Rick, and you will be. It's a really mm. compelling um, story. And I have to say, it feels closely aligned with the author's life. Um, <laughs> how, do you how do you respond to, to those kinds of comments? Well, I remember when my, when my son, my eldest son, read the book, he said, well, it's you. And I said, it is not. It's a fiction. But he's, he's, he was right, and you're right. It, it's, uh, you know, it's very much aligned with my life. Uh, my my f major character, female character, uh, Samantha, is based on my wife, Linda. And, uh, and she's the one that when he gets back and has the second chance at, uh, you know, his, his Hollywood dream that he didn't necessarily handle the, the best way he could at the time, uh, when he gets that second chance, he realizes that when he grew through to, you know, to the point in his life where he discovered Samantha and they discovered each other and they got married and lived a life together. But uh, I, I, I think I referenced, I know I did in the book, uh, the, the 
the line in Damn Yankees, the old musical from the 50s, I believe, about the uh, old Washington senators. And uh, and uh, it's the guy gets a chance, if I don't mean to waste a lot of time in the plot of Damn Yankees, but he gets a chance to go back and play baseball as a young man. And he uh, he's, stands in his bedroom his, with his, in his wife's in his bedroom, his old wife and his, him and at his older self. And he sings goodbye, old girl, to her. And that touched mm-hmm. me. It has always touched me, the fact that, you know, he said that he's making a choice to go away from what he, you know, loves more than anything in the world. The woman that he's, you know, his helpmate, his his partner, his everything. And uh, so he's finally grown to a place where he, for the most part, understands what it is to um, have a relationship that's got, you know, substance to it. So when he gets back to the dream, you know, I'm kind of crossing over, but they, when he gets back to the dream of youth, he then realizes that he doesn't want goodbye, old girl. He wants take me back to my old girl because uh, she is the love of my life, and that's that's uh, if I, 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 I invariably answering a question like this scatter off into a thousand directions. So please forgive me. Well, I'm thankful for it, to be honest, because I don't find that the stylus stays in place in life or in any other realm, um, because, you know, we're we're constantly having parallel thoughts. We're constantly, sure. you know, I, I feel as though during the pandemic, especially, many of us have had more introspection than we normally do, and sometimes when I we come back it. out in the world, it feels like we've been in another world. Um, you know, we've been some yes. someplace else, like there's just a kind of a... A, a psychic, these pockets of psyche that, you know, we've been gone. Um, and right. this time travel right. seems to fit very well with our times. Yeah, well, I, I agree with you. I, I think that it's, you know, it's a little like, I don't know, maybe uh, in in psychiatric or whatever therapy terms, that kind of stuff. It's It's like, you know, life is free association in a way. And uh, when you're locked up as many of us have been for an awful lot of time in the last year and a half or more uh it's just uh it's a different kind of a free association and you're so when you get back it's a kind of a kind of a surprise in a way isn't it to uh mm-hmm. realize that yeah to realize that life has is still what it was but it's been altered also uh, as in any kind of, you know, free association where you come to different conclusions than you might have the first time through. And uh, it's all mm-hmm. fascinating. It's, it is, it, know, it's, 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 it's completely fascinating. And there, there are a lot of slippages that we have kind of daily, whether we slip back into nostalgia or I uh-huh. find love, falling in love creates its own pocket in the psyche. Um, I want to just quote the Rumi. This is in the dedication of Hello, Relative right. My Life. Um, and I, I just thought this is the, the, the convergence here. The minute I heard my first love story, I started looking for you, not knowing how blind that was. Lovers don't finally meet somewhere. They're in each other all along. And I, I found that to be 
just that nesting of, of time, the way it's time within time and the way your, you know, finding is not the outer finding. I wonder, too, you know, because we're not just so action-oriented now, has time changed in its, the sense of our time has changed because we're not just doing, doing, doing. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you don't need to speculate on this, Rick. You are, you are the author of a book. It's not necessarily <laughs> that you're a m- m- metaphysics, but um, that you have been in this book. And Linda is your collaborator, and I can tell um, your soulmate. Um, before the break, we did talk about show business, which which does seem to be the part, you know, the, the exposure part, the having to promote yourself part, the competition oh. part. That's the part oh, yeah. that Danny, uh, Danny sort of, he wants to shed that skin, right? I mean, he now yeah. has a core. Um, do, do you feel that show business is a part of every aspect now that you're a writer, for example? Uh, how do you view it? Yeah, for, for me it is an aspect of it because it's, you know, it was the uh, you know the large part of you know of my life up and you know I really kind of began when I was still in uh, school and uh, I started doing summer stock and that kind of thing and then I've just been doing it. I did it ever since until the last you know quite a few years now, last fifteen years or so, and uh, I. Uh, uh, so yes, it's very much a part of of what I do, and it's what I've done. So it's, you know, it's most of what I know. And you're right about uh, when you referred to my being, uh, or the character anyway. Think realizing the uh, he talks at one point in the book about you know, the doggy dogness of this business. And there's, you know, despite the the people who are you know like Tom Hanks. People, you know, I admire many of many of whom I admire mm-hmm. are, you know, make it work and know how to do it. But it's a very difficult uh, road to travel for the most part. And I'm not crying, oh, oh, poor me, but or poor actors. But it's kind of a crazy life, and uh, and I know there's competition in every line of work. But it seems as if, you know, when you're in in uh, in Hollywood and dealing in the film world anyway, there's only one person who's going to get whatever the job is that's being, you know, the role is that's being cast. So it is a, you know, it is, you know, a matter of placement and ladders, you know, trying to get to the top, as it were. And uh, and the idea of saying, no, I don't want to do that anymore. I'd, I'd like to go back. I mean, in a way, I would like to go back to just being on uh, on stage, and uh, you know, it's not a matter of the competition is overwhelming. It, the, you you get the job or you don't, but you do. You, you're you're concentrating on the work, and that's when show business is fun. When you're, you know, when you're doing the job, not being and not being uh, selling the work that you've done or trying to get the job or any of the things that are on the exterior of show business but the the work itself is terrific it's like it's like in a way it's like the writing the writing itself is fun mm-hmm. the promotion no this yeah. is this is an exception i'm enjoying this talk with you but you know a lot of the stuff with writing is a lot of just you know labor it's a trench labor mm-hmm. and you've got to just do it and it's part of the business especially these days in uh, the publishing business but uh, still the fun part is writing the book and is writing whatever you do 
Right. The interiority of writing and being able to go into yourself and kind of, you know, as you say, as your son mentioned, you know, you, you do imprint the book with your personality mm-hmm. and it's a, you oh, know, sure. it's a form of self-expression that I would imagine um, actors don't necessarily have the latitude to do all the time um, right. because you're inhabiting another character, which is another form of um, expression, but I, I feel as though your sense of the interiority of writing is you can feel the devotion to it in reading Hello, Rest of My Life, uh, that, you, that you enjoy this process, and yes, we are having a conversation now, and it's very interesting to hear your thoughts, but the part about buy my book, buy my book, buy my book, mm, <laughs> yeah. that's fun. I know. It can be kind of worthy. I'm going to I'm going to cut to a quote here that's in the book, and honestly, okay. the book is replete with lots of, I would say, just um, sparkles of wisdom. Um, there's oh, a Peter Finch you. quote, and that that seems to really address. Um, you're very welcome. The book is quite good. Success is a very tough mistress, Peter Finch says. For years. While you're struggling, she wants nothing to do with you. Then one day, you find yourself in a room with her, and even though the key is on the inside, you can't leave. You've made your choice, she says. I don't care how exhausted you are. You're going to stay here for the rest of your life making love to me. I mean, it's very visceral, right? You can feel this, um, this exasperation. Um, and I really, I thought that the Samantha character, I wanted to ask you this about the Samantha character. Um, you talk about samskara, the bad moments in your life that leave scars. And then I found that Sam your love, your great love, and Danny's great love in the book, Sam seemed to come out of samskara, like the healing does, from a scar. And I wondered if the name was coincidental, whether you, you know, saw this axis of love as a healing agent. Wow, that's interesting. You know, I never thought about that at all. I never thought about that until you just said it. That's very interesting. I don't, I don't know. If, if so, it's obviously unconscious because I didn't know about it until you said it, but uh, maybe there is a correlation. I, I, I don't know. I, I do know that, uh, you know, that my wife Linda, you know, there, there, are, some, there are a few conversations in there, uh, bits of conversation that uh, pretty much happened between us because one of the things I try to do in the book is kind of keep Sam alive uh, through the book as the reference point, as his pole star, you know, for which he's finally mm-hmm. aiming uh, to get back. And uh, he, he uh, so I, I have taken my wife, who is, to me, you know, you know utterly charming, and, and, you know, she's my... Uh, you know, she she in many ways is my wisdom. You know, sometimes I'll read things to her that I've written or a letter or whatever it might be, and she'll say, "I wouldn't send that if I were you." And I, and it's kind of one of those things where you know I'm I'm a wild cowboy of a 
young man I was and uh, and but I realized that that's not always you know venting those things I heard a guy say just before I came on the show I heard somebody say in the program before he said uh, talking about calling people and he said be respectful don't be ugly and uh, mm-hmm. I, I realized that somewhere along the way I don't ever want to be ugly again to anybody. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, you know, when I was a young man, maybe, you know, I didn't, I don't think, mean to. But at times I was, you know, uh, a loose cannon. I was, you know, sort of relentlessly aimed at what I wanted and having, you know, discovering the kind of peace and tranquility and love that's uh, in a relationship that's two-way and is full of, you know, a lot of kindness and warmth and uh, givingness. That's a that's a consummation, to quote Shakespeare, devoutly to be wished. And uh, and uh, I was mm-hmm. lucky enough to get it. And so, yeah, I, 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 well, again, having splayed out all over the place, Linda uh, is not, she didn't come from the word samskara, but... Uh, Really interesting. <laughs> I have to talk to you some more and find I, out what. It... <laughs> Go ahead. Well, <clears throat> books are therapy, right? Both for the author and the reader. And I, I think Absolutely. that the corners that you explored. Yeah, I mean, I think these. The fact that you do go all over the map, it is extremely refreshing. Uh, and also, I'm not sure how we're going to become enlightened, if you will, uh, because, as you say, the rest of it is kind of a ruthless kind of ambition. So if we don't explore uh-huh. the, you know, the root of us, which is the energies that we get from love and from um, right. relation, a relationship, um, you know, we're not, it's not really going to be a story that has wholeness, fullness, vibrancy, um, and to that point, um, before we take a commercial break, I'd love to point to the fact that there's also a dynamic with you or the character, Denny Maitre, with his father. So inside this book, Hello, Rest of My Life, is a Hollywood story, a very fun, funny uh, Hollywood story, a redemptive story, a love story. Um, impelling you forward, and also the family dynamics of a fractured relationship with a parent. Um, so this reconciliation was also very, very tender. And I just, I just wondered if you felt when you were drawing on those scenes, which seemed to me some of the most poignant of all, you know, were you drawing on something that you imagined that you wished that you could say? Hmm. Very interesting. Yes, uh, I, I, I do. Sure, absolutely. There are lots of things I wish I'd been able to say to uh, one or both of my parents, and and uh, and lots of things that that I maybe did say to my own uh, children. I have two boys and a, and a daughter, and uh, uh, you know, there's just it's just stuff that you you don't get a. It's like walking away from a confrontation, and you say, "Oh, I, I wish I'd said that." And that's more in the aggressive sense I'm, I'm talking. But in the cases that you're kind of referring to, it seems to me, uh, you know, things that I didn't say to my parents, or that couldn't say, or that they said to me that I wish they hadn't said, and uh, uh, mm-hmm. those sort of things, they are, 
they inform most of our lives, you know, I think. We, you know, we all have things that to do with our, you know, the, the nest that we came from that we would like to be able to maybe kind of correct or undo or I don't know what it is mm-hmm. exactly. That's a deep yeah, area. Yeah, in some way. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's uh, it's a fascinating opportunity to do so on the page, and um, I thought I took yes. a lot away from those those scenes. Uh, I thought that was a real a real contribution. So we're speaking to Rick Lentz, author of Hello, Rest of My Life. It is always a chance, right, to write a new ending. Um, we can't undo what's gone before, but. In this book, I think you'll find, you'll explore ways to do that as a reader. Um, I'd encourage you to get your hands on it. It's just been out this fall. And it follows three novels that Rick Lenz has written, which I personally am looking forward to delving into now that I've read this. We've got to pause for a commercial break, um, but don't go away. We'll be right back on Dropping In with Rick Lenz. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. Books Forward exemplifies excellence in book marketing and promotion, representing New York Times bestsellers, national award-winning books, and books that catch fire on social media and in the digital realm. Books Forward creates ambitious campaigns with unlimited possibilities for sparking buzz while creatively cutting through the noise. Your book deserves to launch with experts who have set the bar in the industry. To learn more, visit booksforward.com or send us an email at info at booksforward.com. A JKS Communications Company. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Dropping In with Diane Dewey. We'd love to hear from you if you have a question or comment about the show. Send us an email to diane at dianedewey.com. That's diane at dianedewey.com. Now, back to Dropping In. Welcome back, everyone. We're sitting with Rick Lenz, author of Hello, Rest of My Life. And in your book, Rick, you get to have all this cool stuff. You know about GPS and you know about political correctness and stuff. When you go back in time to the 1970s, no one has a clue about what you're talking about. Um, and it's, 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 it's yeah, they can't, right? They just, they can't know. Um, but is it true that no. GPS does need to be reset with the Earth's clock? Is that, is that, was that true? Yes. It was, there's yes, another fascinating snippet from the book. That's yeah, true. it's it, it's uh, it's we're not quite right <laughs> always, and we have to we have to check with whatever I said. I can't forget the reference point, but it's a it's a you know it's a what did I say? It's a um, a uh, satellite uh, correction that's made yeah. once in a while because we just we aren't able to keep time the way the way we thought we could, at least to the accurate to the you know to the perfect uh, degree that we thought we could. So interesting to be even going into a really physical warp. I mean, not just, not just a metaphysical warp. Um, oh, no, this, yeah. is, this is just 
totally fascinating. And dreams, you know, where do we go in dreams? This is this is a whole nother question. Um, oh, I know. For, for, perhaps oh, even another conversation, but amazing, oh, amazing stuff oh, that you delve into. It's oh, fascinating. The, the, the I mean, go ahead. Well, this is the stuff that people talk about, you know, when they're, and when people are, you know, in surgery and the, and the idea of, you know, of being disconnected from the body. And I, and I, I'm, I really don't have a good patience for a lot of woo-woo, but a lot of this stuff is not woo-woo. It is just the fact that we have, an, uh, you know, uh, some difficulty, you know, uh, estimating where we where our mind is it's not certainly isolated in the brain alone because otherwise it would be a, you know there would be a kind of a, a demonstration of that in real life somehow but it's our mind is you know it's it's around us somewhere but i'm not sure exactly where it resides so that's a and I don't really talk about this a lot in the book, but there's kind of reference made to the fact that that uh, there's another level of us. It's a, it's a spiritual level. Certainly, that's a catch-all phrase in a way, or word in a in a way. But it's uh, it's 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 valid. I, I I used to think that I was just what I see when I look down here at my shoes and my you know my myself. Uh, but I'm I'm not mm-hmm. just what I see. I think I'm a spirit, you know, more almost mm-hmm. more than I am. Yeah, you know, it's fascinating to me anyway. It is fascinating, and it it is interactive, seemingly interactive. I, I feel as though it's not woo woo at all, Rick. It it's just we don't have the science for the science. The, the we don't right. we don't yet have the science yeah. for this science, and it it, yeah. it, it's, it is. It is. It does strike me as real, and you know, sometimes you're you're reading a book. Um, as I was reading "Hello, Rest of My Life," and I thought, oh, I, you know, you can feel that there's a building, there's a kind of a um, momentum building um, in the life of Danny Maitre, and this, you know, culmination of whether he's going to be able to go back to Sam. And and I thought, I have rarely read a book where I felt that my concept of spirituality and random events and but something's moving the random events and something's <laughs> propelling these synchronicities synchronicities. I mean, I yeah. really experienced a book that sort of just it doesn't overdo it and and gets me to a place where I'm very satisfied because that is my definition of the randomness is spirituality. Uh, as well, it's the it's the dog who pulls the child out of the fire. It's the yeah. uh, the Eskimo. There was the Eskimo story. Can you can you tell us the Eskimo story? Just yeah, I, I this well, the Eskimo story. Break. I'll leave out the I'll leave out the scatological logical language. But it's a it's a guy who walks into a bar in I guess Alaska, and, and it's out in the you know in the tundra someplace, and and he says. Uh, uh, I almost died out there. I don't remember it exactly, but he, you know, and he said that I don't, I don't believe in a God who, who, you know, comes to your aid. And and the bartender says, because he 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 had been lost out in the middle of nowhere, and he finally gets 
saved, and he finally walks into his bar, and, and he said, says this to the bartender. He says, I don't believe in a God who comes to your rescue, and, and he, he, the bartender says, well, you're here, aren't you? And, and he says, yeah, well, I, but I wouldn't have been if it hadn't been for the Eskimo came along. <laughs> so Exactly. Uh, so there you the, go. Uh, yeah, yeah. There you so, go. I think I think you know all this you know that happens in our life takes many forms. And you were talking about science. I think you know a thing that I'm very much a believer in science, but I also at the same time wonder, in some cases, what's behind the science? What's what's in that area that we cannot figure out? What's in the uh, What's well, between the, the not the, just the electrons, neutrons, but between the quarks, and where all that we find is apparently is space is just pure energy, and that mm-hmm. nobody has figured out yet, to my knowledge. And what about the Buddha? Because you you do speak to the idea that you know our reality is created by our minds and. I wonder it sometimes with science as well. I mean, it's a documentation of what is, but then there's also the way that we manifest what is, right? right. We're, we're manifesting our reality all the time. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's nothing that, I, that I'm conversant on, although I, I can tell you that I, about, I don't know how many years ago, but I was passing a television show one night, and they were doing a fundraiser for a local PBS station, and I, uh, and somebody was talking about uh, about this kind of thing, and I started to I started to just read, you know, this book and that book by you know various spiritual writers, uh, you know, you know, ones that are recognized through time and ones that are kind of current and. Uh, uh, and then it got to the point where Linda and I do that pretty much every morning now. We uh, we kind of read for twenty or thirty minutes around breakfast time, and uh, you know it's it's a really it's a good thing in my day. I begin you know with a feeling of positivity because I'm kind of basing my day not just on you know, the tensions of what I have to do or what I didn't complete yesterday or that kind of thing, but but on, you know, the the connection between all of us in, on this planet and uh, and the, the, the need to be kind even when you don't feel like being kind sometimes. Right. The, there's such an intimacy to your reading together, and in the book there are so many really um, wonderful parts to the intimacy between Sam and um, and Danny. Danny. I, I'm sorry that we're, we're running out of time, which is just, you know, time again. <laughs> there it is. Um, <laughs> the linear time we're running out of, but, you know, we're not running out right. of the, the qualitative time. It's, um, as you say, you know, the light behind the gels in <laughs> Hollywood talk. Um, you, you, yeah. You've brought us a book, Hello, Rest of My Life, where it is the story of a Hollywood actor, and he goes back in time. But as you can tell, it's so much more than that. It's more uh, the connections that we all experience, especially now um, in, in our reemergence. We have a minute to go, and I just wondered if there was one 
tiny snippet or a thought that you'd like to leave us with, Rick Lenz? Well, I, you know, I, I just, I think we've covered an awful lot of territory, so I, I'd like to just tell you that uh, I really appreciate that you uh, have, um, you know, uh, understood my book, my book and what I was trying to say and the story, and it, it's this has been a very satisfying, you know, experience for me talking to you this morning. I didn't, you know, I got up early, not expecting, you know, anything more than uh, a longer day than usual, and it's been a just a marvelous uh, beginning for it. So I guess if I had one thing to say, I would say what I was talking about the last second before you, which was, I think, and I've learned this is, in, you know, I'm saying this only as an older, not actor, but just person in this world, is that if we can do what the guy said, we'd be respectful and don't be ugly and be kind. I think that's Absolutely. that's the, that's, the clue, that's the clue to everything. Thank you, Rick Lenz. A joy to have you with us. You can find him on Twitter, Facebook, and at ricklenz.com. Thanks to our engineers, Matt Widener and Aaron Keller, our executive producer, Robert Cialino, and most of all, you, our listeners. Remember to stay safe and do the best we can for other people. We're all in the same boat. Till next week, thank you for dropping in. Thank you so much for dropping in. Please join Diane Dewey again next Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll see you then.